Hey, this is Price Wright. I'm the campus pastor at New City Church, Loma Vista, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. Special thanks in advance to those of you who give generously to New City. You make this ministry possible. To partner with New City, click the link in the description. I hope this message inspires you to trust in and live like Jesus. If it does, don't forget to subscribe, share it on social media, or make sure to send it to your friends. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, New City Church. All right, all right. Tim, Timothy, Tim Otto. Say it real fast. It's Tomato. Some of you have heard it, but I have a hard time remembering names, so if I hear something like Will back there, I said just remember Will. Anyway, Pastor Price, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Where'd he go? Anyway, he's there somewhere, holding up the back row. That's good. Thanks for letting me speak today and entrusting me to deliver something that will hopefully empower everybody in this room today. That's right. I'm here with my wife and daughter. I promised I wouldn't embarrass them, so I'm not going to. Wives are great. You know why? They teach you how selfish you are. And then kids are even better because then you really find out what's inside of you because it goes into your kids. Everything that's good and bad inside of you, it shows up in your kids. And if you haven't started dealing with yourself yet, you can't start dealing with your kids. Uh-huh. And just solve the world's problems right there. All right, all right. So when I was spending time with Father the last few weeks over this, um, today's Pentecost Sunday, so I obviously had a trajectory. I mean, that's pretty easy. You can get in there and start unlifting all these truths, and there's so much beautiful reality to it. And in the midst of that, God starts taking me in another direction, not to diminish Pentecost Sunday, but he wants... He wanted me to bring it a whole new trajectory, a way that I'd never seen or thought of before. So it was good for me, because I was being even changed and transformed through this process of how I see everything. Because we need the way we see the world to change. We need our minds renewed. We need our sight renewed. We need to be renewed all the way around. And that's, that's what's happening. The good news about the kingdom and the gospel is there's this ongoing transformation where we are being restored to Jesus, the last Adam. Just like the first Adam was created a certain way, we get to start to uh, change our trajectory to come up higher, to increase. So the question is, does your past experience dictate your future? There's a lot of thought on that. Some would say that history repeats itself. This is true. It could be good, it could be bad. We all have an opinion on that. Some of us can think past to our past history, and there, there are things that affected our lives that weren't good, but then we had these moments of transformation, these moments of revelation that were good. God has been unfolding his salvation plan since the beginning, and it's progressing throughout time, and here we are at a moment in time, and we're actually going to go back to the beginning. In fact, we're going to go back before the beginning which is unusual for me because as I was just I'm dreaming and imagining with God, he started taking me, okay, we have Genesis. We know how this thing started. He goes, but we did some pre-planning. The Godhead, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, we were actually before time, before even this. Now, this is some Tim Otto mixed in here, so don't take this as exactly how it's in here. This is just how our, I was just having this imagination with God, and he was just like giving me these kind of, downloads on what it might have looked like, but don't hold me to this, okay? 
So they're at their pre-planning meeting, and they're sitting around the table, which they're in eternity in heaven, so probably didn't have a table, but, you know, we have to have something that we understand. And, you know, maybe God was like, hey, I want to create a space that we can occupy, a place of beauty, a place where humanity can embody me, us, Holy Spirit, you, Jesus. He's going to embody us, and we're going to do life together. They're going to be made in our image, and... They're going to represent us in the earth. They're going to be very synced up and linked up to us. I mean, they're going to, we're going to have this oneness going on. So they're sitting around looking at all the pros and cons, and they're like, okay. Maybe somebody says, well, let's fast forward in time a little bit. And like, oh, Adam and Eve, we got a little problem here. So before the foundation of the world was even created, they're like, okay, who's going to volunteer here to close the gap, take the sins? Jesus ends up with the short straw, I guess. I don't know, you know. But he has to take this position because they have to rectify this whole problem because God cannot be beat. When God sets out a plan as the creator of everything, his plans will come to prosper. There is nothing in the future that's going to come to God that he cannot overcome. That he's, there's no obstacle that he cannot overtake. There's nothing that he cannot reclaim. If he created all in the beginning, he's going to recreate even now. All right. What's interesting, too, is it was a bulletproof plan, completely bulletproof. He even knew that by his son coming and restoring what's been lost, nothing would win. Nothing would win. And since God's behind this plan, nothing's going to overtake his plan. It's just like we sing in these songs today. So, Adam had this oneness in the garden, this oneness with God. He walked with God, talked with God. Adam and Eve, let's be clear. It's fair. It's very fair. It's very fair. I don't like how it's just all. They were, they, they were together as a unit. They walked with God. The dimensional reality of heaven, the dimensional reality of God and humanity was somehow completely intersected. I don't fully understand it because we still have some separation, even though heaven and eternity is inside of us. But they lived in this place of utopia. It was a place where everything was perfect. They were created for that space, the original design of humankind was for this perfect relationship. That perfect relationship, though, is still embedded inside of us. That's why we still want this utopia reality. I mean, it's in our culture, it's in songs, it's in TV shows, it's in movies. There's still something driving humankind for this utopian reality. We understand and see when things aren't right, and we may not know exactly what the right looks like, but we still sense the injustice that's going on in the world around us. So during the fall, Adam had to start working for survival. Everything they had in the garden was, there was a separation. God was still with them. But the ease that was there began to diminish. Disease began to come in, toil had to come in. Adam and Eve had to work for their provision. And the corruption that set into mankind, I mean, the kids picked it up quick. You know, it's one thing when your kids fight each other, but it's another thing when your kid's in the fight because one's still not breathing to fight back. So the corruption came in pretty quick, and God was still there. So we now have two operating systems in the world. We've got God still speaking to humanity, and we have this corruption, the fallen one, the evil one, Satan, the devil. You know, there's different ways to phrase it up, but we know, even all of us know, inside of us, we have this pole going two directions. We have 
the image of God inside of us that's crying out for God. Our spirit wants God. And then we have the other operating system, the corruption. So Adam started well, but he finished less than well, right? His fruitfulness decreased because of the other operating system. And by his will and choices, what he allowed into him started to change the world around him. Which goes for us today, what we allow inside of us can change the world around us because we can allow the God operating system to come in. Now we've been, Ecclesiastes, we've been going through that and different people have spoke on it. And there was one interesting little nugget in there because I was reading through Ecclesiastes with everybody where he speaks about eternity is set in the heart of men. Solomon talks about that. Eternity was in the heart of men at the beginning and women. And eternity was in the heart of men and women then. And eternity is still inside of our hearts. This is still a reality that we have to deal with. We can't get away from it. So, fast forward, it's like an airplane touching down. So this isn't really how I want to set it up, but this is where God took me, so I'm going to roll with it. So Jesus comes along. He's the last Adam. Again, God was in human form in Adam and Eve. God was going to occupy and dwell with Adam and Eve. Jesus says, I'm going down there. I'm going to die, rise on the, on the cross. You know, I'm going to die on the cross, rise again. But guess what? I'm going to take heaven in human form again. Except this time, there's not going to be any mistakes. There's not going to be any mess-ups. Right? Despite the corruption and the gap between man and God, I'm going right back down there. And I'm going to show them that I'm getting back in the earth. Now, what I ask at the beginning, does your past experiences dictate your future? Okay. So what did Jesus do? As he started moving about, doing life with his disciples and doing, disciple, doing life with the, the people in the community, they started coming to him with questions. What, is, what must I do to be saved? So they had all these problems in their life. What must I do to be saved? What must I do? What can we do? What can we do to be free from the Roman bondage that is on us? And for us, it's different bondages. And the answer to that was, you must be born again. You must have the Spirit of God. You need to have your eternal space. You need the divine uplink between you and heaven to be in place again. So that the eternity is not void space, but is now an uplink to the heavenly realm, as was in the beginning. It's a solution to all of humanity's problems. So God sends Jesus into the world, which he loves. He loves this world. He loves what he created despite the corruption. Despite the corruption, God says this intense love for this world. And Jesus comes, does what he does, and we talk about a lot. He you know, was raised from the dead. I'd say that we have two, in the Western church, we have two days that really stand out in the church community. We have Easter, right? We have Christmas. And Jesus being the foundation, the cornerstone of everything, here we are on Pentecost Sunday, which is another feast. Now, the resurrection of Jesus, you know, celebrated kind of during that Passover period, which we've adopted as Easter. But what's the next step in the block? What's the next step 
in the process of the salvation coming to the world. So here we are on Pentecost Sunday, right? And this is an important block, because Jesus didn't just come to die and save us from our sins, which is very important, but he also came to release and minister the next step into the restoration of our lives and the restoration of humanity, because without the step, which is very important, we are not truly going to become and become equipped and empowered to be the people that we are supposed to be in this earth. The original creation was empowered. Adam and Eve walked in the power of God. They walked in the fruit of the Spirit. They were, in fact, they were created with full fruit. They were like full throttle, full 100% fruit of the Spirit when they were created. Imagine that. There was no upward trajectory for them. They had a downward trajectory. Imagine how it felt. Just be, just, you know, loving you perfectly. The separation happens, and you're like Eve. You're like, Adam, what's this attitude all of a sudden? What is up with you? You know, not this. You're not picking up your shoes anymore. Could you put the toilet seat down? I mean, you know, however that looked in the garden state, but there's tearing away. <laughs> I could go on a rabbit trail, but I'm just going to leave it alone. So Pentecost Sunday, there's a lot of significance with the feast to, and a lot of rich history to be dove into, and we could dive into it, but that's not the trajectory today. So in the Bible, you have Luke and Acts. And Luke is the author of both these books, and they are actually, on the scrolls, they were, they, they, you have part A, part B. So when you read them, you actually have to read them together. They actually run parallel to each other. They're almost like a mirror image, kind of like we are to reflect God. So in Luke, you have the account of Jesus' life. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something that's important. And I remember years ago when I first heard it and I had to learn this, Jesus didn't deny his deity, but he didn't access it. When he was born into the earth in human form, just like us, okay, he went through the process. He was baptized by John, right? But then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the pattern that he began to show was, you know, in the beginning, Adam would have been already full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to come in human form to identify with humanity again. But here's the steps. Here's the process. I'm going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I begin to operate from being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is the pattern that humanity can now follow. Okay? In Luke 3.22, the Holy Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove. Then God said, this is my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. All right? Side note, we say we love Jesus and we want to please him. The question is, do we want to be filled with the same spirit that Jesus was filled with? Do we really want that? Is that really something we want? I mean, the Father said, I'm pleased with you, and I'm pleased to give my Holy Spirit to you. Just one simple little side note. So here is Jesus. He is now a being on the earth. He is with us in this three-dimensional realm, yeah, but he's still from above. He had to be filled with the Holy Spirit before he could begin his ministry, before he could begin setting the example of what it looked like for heaven to invade the earth realm again. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that that was the conduit. So you have this divine uplink, as I think of it, when we're saved, but then there's this divine downlink where the power of the Spirit starts to flow down into our lives. We wrestle with this. Adam wouldn't have wrestled with this. Eve wouldn't have wrestled with this. This was just natural to them. But for us, through the separation, 
the coming together in the power of the Spirit in our lives feels awkward. It seems awkward. Our mind doesn't necessarily accept it because we weren't necessarily born just filled with the Holy Spirit. And it is a transformation of realities because you have this greater reality pouring in through our eternal portal, if you will. I mean, it sounds a little odd, but to me it seems normal. Manifesting through our three-dimensional realm. So Jesus, moving forward in Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has poured out his Spirit on me to preach the good news to the poor. Who are the poor? Anybody that's spiritually dead. Again, there's no uplink to life from the God of the eternal realm filling their eternal space. The poor are the people who their eternal Eternity space is waiting to be reconnected to God. That's who the poor are. That separation in the garden. Humanity is waiting for that reconnect. He goes on to say, He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Who are the prisoners? Humanity in bondage, separated from God due to the fall. So we are literally, through Jesus, being raised back up to heavenly places. And he also said, I'm here for recovery of sight to the blind and to release the oppressed. Humanity has been oppressed and enslaved by the corruption, the fall, and the enemy since the beginning. And Jesus is actually putting the pieces back together for us. All right? So like I said earlier, our past does not have to dictate our future once we encounter and once we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We get a whole new future. So when we go through Luke, we can also see there's so much in here. I just... I had to start cutting things out. It could have gone on and on and on. So in Luke, uh, we see all that Jesus said and did. He spoke it. He proclaimed it. We call them miracles. Where God's at, it's not a miracle. It's just an expression of heaven back into the earth realm. We call it a miracle because we've lost what we were originally supposed to have. What was in the garden was normal. If Adam spoke, the power of God would have flowed through him. And whatever he spoke would have happened. And he was so linked up with God, he didn't have to worry about his God's will because there was no separation. He knew God's will. I mean, he was so close to God. Him and Eve were so close to God. God had to, God had to put one tree just to remind him, you're just a little beneath me. You're going to think like me, talk like me, act like me, love like me, be peaceful like me. All these, you're going to have the authority of me. What did we sing in the song earlier about the authority? You're going to have the authority of me because you're going to represent me in the earth. Okay? There's one tree. You can't have the one tree, though, because that's mine. Like, I'm boss man. But you're real close. You have access to everything but one tree, just to keep Adam and Eve in their place. So in Luke... It gets the outline. If everybody wants to dive in later, you can. But it shows everything that Jesus said and did. And it was his being infilled with the Holy Spirit, not because he was God. Not, he, he left the deity there. He still had full access, but he denied that link to show us what life could be like with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we move on to Acts, which Acts will dive into, you know, talks about Pentecost, which is today on the Hebrew calendar is the celebration of Pentecost. And there were some things that happened on this day that ushered forth a new humanity into the world. New creation life really got rolling. So 
Acts 1, 1, verses 8. In the first book, O Theophilus, now, Luke is writing to his, probably a doctor, I believe. I remember reading all this. A Theophilus wanted an account of everything that was going on. He wanted to be informed on what was happening. So Luke's writing to him, and this is the second letter of the scroll. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God being restored in the earth, being restored into people's lives. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise, the gift of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John baptizes with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, at the time, they didn't know what was coming in their future. Their past had, had already been turned upside down. This Jesus shows up, they're being born again, they're experiencing the Spirit of God, but their future is about to change again. Their past was not going to dictate their future. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now remember, they're in bondage. They won freedom from this bondage, but that was not the answer to their problems. He said to them, for it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The next step in the solution to all their problems, to all their enslavement, was going to be this power that they're going to receive. This power was going to come upon them. Adam had the same power. Jesus had the power come upon him. He's setting the pattern up in Acts. You can literally look at Jesus' life and Stephen's life, and they almost mirror each other. Now, the interesting thing is Stephen was much more like you and I. He wasn't, I call it, fully optimized. You know, Stephen still had to wrestle with some stuff, just as what we all do. But the power of God was still going to move through Stephen to begin to change the world and the trajectory of the entire globe or flat earth, if you believe that. <laughs> A few years ago, somebody mentioned that to me, and I went and watched all the videos, and I go, they got some points, but I just don't know yet. I just don't know. I just didn't want to exclude any flat earthers. You know? Flat earth would need to be transformed too, right? The glory of God needs to cover the flat earth. Uh, uh. So on Pentecost, they had John's baptism. And this is what's interesting. Everybody that was in the upper room that was gathered together had already been baptized by John, but they had yet to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I went through, and there was four different accounts of how people become filled with the Spirit. Sometimes it's instantaneous. Sometimes there's a gap. And in, in my encounters with people over the years, I know for me there's a gap. And for some people, the gap is still there. Because based on their, they're trying to ascend with their mind, but that downlink just hasn't happened yet. So I don't have the concrete formula for how this works. It's a mystery to even me. But when it happens, it's something that you know and when it happens, the power over the sin and darkness in your life diminishes even more. I mean, the salvation uplink happens, but the power diminishes even more. 
the fruit of the Spirit increases at even a faster rate. Am I totally optimized? My wife would say, no, not yet. But you can ask her afterwards, has there been a transformation in my life? If there's not a witness in my own home, there's no witness in Judea or Raytown or Kansas City or when I go to work. Okay? I used to work at the fire station until I got hurt and had to retire early. And I'm not trying to be raw or rough, but I walked to the back room one day, the bunk room where we sleep, and I hear two guys talking over the locker. And I don't know what the context of their conversation was, but I hear one guy say to the other guy, do you know why Tim Otto doesn't have to deal with this SHIT? And the other guy goes, no, why? He goes, he walks with God. Now, I don't know what the situation was they were talking about specifically, but there's obviously been some sort of transformation where even the guys I worked with could recognize and speak to the other people. Okay? And I'm not tooting my horn, but I'm just saying this has become a reality in my life. It's become a reality in my life that I've walked out, and I want to embody it. And since this perpetual motion has begun and begun, my thoughts now are, how much can I have? Right? I mean, I used to live a life for how much sin could I have? Right? But now, yeah, until it catches up to you. It's good until it's, good until it's not so good. All right? Because it never, ever stays hidden forever. I mean, I've been, yeah. But the question now is, how much God can I have? How much Holy Spirit can I have in my life? How much can I be transformed for the rest of the days that I walk this earth? Until I take my last breath, it's just like Joe. There's the last breath. But when that last breath comes, how much can I have between now and then? Right? How much can I be restored to the original identity? Because the imprint's still in here. The blueprint is still in here. The reflection is still here, and he's still cleaning up the reflection. So the Holy Spirit is a power. I mean, he is the Holy Spirit, but he's also, he operates under the, um, he is a power. When before in Genesis, when God was going to create everything, the Spirit was hovering over the water, just we really waiting for God to release the word, and then the Holy Spirit did the action. That's like what we sang earlier. You know, our words release authority. Holy Spirit wants to partner with our words when they're God words, they're truthful words. The Holy Spirit wants to move on those words because they reflect God's heart. Mind, will, and emotions. So when the Holy Spirit comes and that power fills us, comes to us, we become worldwide witnesses. And it starts at home, starts at work, starts around us where we start making an impact in everywhere that we go. And this is how the God who created everything is going to be seen on the worldwide stage. It's through the people that are being restored back to the original design. Jesus, the last Adam. That's why this isn't cupcake Christianity. It's more than just about being saved to go to heaven. I mean, that is important. Please hear my heart. But if we really want to reach people, we need the elements and aspects of God. We need the fruit of the Spirit. We need the power of the Spirit. We need all these giftings to come back to us so that people can begin to see there is something different. So the parallels here between Luke and Acts show that Jesus' gift of the Holy Spirit, the same one that he received, to do all that he did and all that he was going to do has come to humanity as well. So on Pentecost, when they received the power of the Spirit, when they went out to the public, people were kind of freaking out. Some said they were drunk. Some might have said they were high. Whatever excuse they could come up with in any era. In, In this day and age, or sometimes, I would imagine we might go out and do God things, be God things, 
express Jesus, and some people might say, yeah, they're drunk, they're high. That dude's crazy, which maybe so, according to their eyes. So just like Jesus, we become declares of the kingdom. And not only do we become declares, we must grow to where we begin to demonstrate it. When Jesus did signs and wonders, it was a sign and a wonder to the people that had not encountered God yet. And that's still going on today. I, I know people have moved powerfully. The Spirit moves powerfully through them. And we see these things that make you go, what, what's a sign? I mean, the sign points to something like there has to be a God. There has to be a God. So when we express these things, it's not because we're just doing it for the show, but we need to expect them to start to come to our lives more. We need to expect these things just, just, I don't sit in a position daily as I walk like, okay, what miracle's gonna happen? But there's this unction for me personally when things happen that some people call a miracle. And it's just for me, it's God's gonna express himself in the moment because he's trying to grip somebody's heart. He's trying to get their attention. Like, I have life for you beyond what you see around here. Your past does not have to dedicate your future. The more Jesus abides in us, and the more we yield, the more we're going to produce fruit. But the more we're going to make space for the Holy Spirit to work. And it is a process. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Because it's, it's like you're getting a new outfit. You're getting a new clothes set. And you have to learn to kind of function in it. It's, it kind of reminds me of a movie where you get an exoskeleton. It's like I gotta, you know, you're kind of awkward at first trying to wear this thing like an avatar. I'm just imagining those machines that they had for war. And you're just trying to figure it out. But over time, as you, I call it rolling with God. The more you roll with God, the more you just submit and become and let it be, the more that up, 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 up link and down link just moves through you, the more you just unify with them. Which Adam had fully in the beginning. I mean, we're just moving back to the original design, naturally. So every disciple in Acts was like us. They were still in their human state. They were born again. The power came to them, and they're doing these great things just like us, which is amazing when you think about it. I wrestle with this because here's the power of God enabling us to do and become and be, and we got these cracks in our lives. We all know that we have it. And with these cracks, here's God's power and glory oozing through these cracks along with all of our dirt. But what God has shown me is the more you allow this to happen, the more I'm going to flush this dirt out. It's kind of like a bad toilet bowl that's clogged. The more you flush it, it gets cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. Right. Some people might say, oh, I'm not a candidate for being filled with the power of the Spirit. But look at the Apostle Paul, right? Where did he come from? What was he doing? He was just a candidate as anybody else. I mean, for somebody to persecute and torture and do what he did, and now God is going to turn their life around, we are without excuse, all of us. And even Paul, it just shows no matter how hard-hearted a person is, no matter how much, you know, I, I don't know that Paul was evil. I don't think he was intentionally trying to maim and harm people. He just didn't understand yet. He just didn't know what God was doing. The future was coming to Paul, and he had a past that he kept looking at, but he didn't realize what was happening in his new future that was unfolding. There's a Bible scholar who has said, we're not going to move the world by criticism or conform to it, but we're going to move the world by the combustion within the world of our lives being ignited by the Spirit of God. 
The true test of Pentecost is not what happened in the upper room, while important, but what happened on the streets afterwards. When they went out into the world, empowered, filled with God's Spirit. We don't have, okay, I say we, some of us don't have a problem watching scary movies. And in these movies, what do we see? Oh, they're filled with a demonic spirit. They're filled with this or that. But we have a problem with being filled with God's spirit. And that's something that we need to check ourselves. That just shows how bad our mind has been. That just shows how bad our mind has been diminished to the life that's actually available to us. As we, God's people, remain faithful to this task, the harvest will grow. People will begin to display God's glory more and more in the earth around us. The problem does start here, but once we start working on this, it starts creating streams of water and life that goes out to the world around us. I hear stories from various people where they say, there's people at work that'll come to me like, what's different about you? And they may not tell them what at first, but they, they're attracted to God's spirit. They're attracted to this empowerment that doesn't cause them to be as fallen. And they want to come up higher to these heavenly places. In Acts 6, you have Gamaliel, teacher of the law. He was one of the leaders of the time. And the, after Pentecost happened and the Spirit was poured out and people were going out into the streets and, and the signs and wonders, I mean, the, even the term Christian was a slang term at first because they were call, at first they were calling them little anointed ones because they were popping off miracles just like Jesus did. They were actually trying to demean them and lower their status in the culture around them because they're restoring everything. People are getting healed. People are walking, blind people are seeing. I mean, whatever the ailment was that's happening. Gamaliel said this. So the leadership was fighting amongst themselves. He said, if this is from God, you cannot defeat them. And you will find yourself fighting God. This is from God. The Holy Spirit is from God. It makes us unstoppable. It makes us where we cannot be defeated. It makes it where... We cannot be conquered by any force. Even death does not have power over us. Once this shell leaves, just like Joe, once Joe's body was done, he never stopped living. His spirit, his soul, his mind, all these components of him were raised up fully to the right hand of God, completely and restored. What the new body looks like, we get hints. We get little snippets of it because Jesus showed us, which was the promise of things to come. There would be no point in this if we were just going to be done and die. So, everybody just stand to the feet. We're just going to pray before we end this. God knows your heart. It's not an awkward thing where it's like, I mean, God knows. God knows. You may, who knows? You may get filled with the Spirit today, refilled with the Spirit today. You may leave, and next week, you may burst forth with new languages in your prayer closet. I don't know how it's going to work for you. It may shock the snot out of you. I've been shocked by God many times. So, Father God, Lord, we just submit our lives to you again, God. Everything that you have for us, every good gift from heaven, everything to restore our lives, everything to transform us, everything to make us who we need to become, including the power of your spirit. We just pray today, as they did on Pentecost, that you would just fill us with your spirit. Fill us to overflowing with your spirit, God. Let that power of heaven come into us right now, God that transforms our lives and keeps retransforming our lives, that displays your goodness in the earth, that brings peace to our hearts, peace to our minds, that gives us divine wisdom. Peter 
talked about having the mind of Christ. We don't just want the mind of Christ. We also want the power of the Spirit. We want to be full. We want to be whole. We want to be one in you, God. I pray that over each and every one of us today, Lord, that every bit of heart that's inside of every person that's aching, that the spirit inside of mankind that's aching for justice, for what's right, that you will just drop these gifts right inside of us and that the transformation power will just ride and ride and ride on us and ride in us and flow through us, Lord. It starts rubbing off all those rough edges and empowers us to speak your mind, speak your will, to love like you, to be soft like you, to be tender like you, to be firm like you, and to deliver justice and see justice just like you, Lord Jesus. I pray this over today, every hearer of these words, that you're not just born again, but you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing, and just oozes out everywhere you go into the streets, and that we become part of the big plan of unfolding of history, where the past does not dictate our futures anymore, Jesus. In your mighty name, Jesus, I pray, amen.